true believers and strap in as we journey with Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Excelsior! Not to mention the evil genius and brilliant leadership of myself. Open the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! As you can tell by my voice, this is not the Matt Spectro that you know. No, this is Jamie Jamikowski, formerly of For the Pops, and I'm guest hosting for Matt while he is on an extended hiatus. Trademark wrestling podcast about nothing. Actually, he's just on summer vacation. But in keeping with the theme of his uh, multiverse show, I'd like to think that on another Earth, somewhere in this multiverse, me, Jamie Jamikowski, I'm the one who's considered one of the best bookers in the history of chaotic wrestling that is liked and missed by everyone in New England. And Matt Spectro is actually the hated owner of the company that everybody couldn't wait to leave. But uh, we are here on the uh, Matt Spectro Multiverse podcast. And speaking of professional wrestlers from New England that are loved by many and hated by some, I'm so excited to welcome my special guest this week. He started his career in chaotic wrestling. He won pretty much every championship there was to win. Former trainer at the Chaotic Training Center, where he helped train people like Kofi Kingston and Sasha Banks worked every major promotion in New England Beyond, appeared on WWE television. He's a former co-host of the wrestling podcast about nothing, and he can now be seen regularly around the world as part of the Ring of Honor roster, where he is one half of the tag team known as the Bouncers. Please welcome my longtime friend, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. That's quite an introduction. <laughs> hey, hey, and that's all the time we have for this week, so uh, <laughs> enjoy the podcast. Loved by many. I don't know about that. You know, I know, definitely hated by a few, but uh, no, I think, I think I've uh, repaired my reputation at this point from uh, my time as one of your henchmen, so. <laughs> you know, well, it, it took, that's good. It only took you about five years to recover from 10 years of damage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think Handsome, or should I say Ivar of the Viking Raiders, he had a, a much bigger battle to fight but he uh, you know he got over quicker than i did outside of chaotic and he's in wwe now so everybody loves him so nobody would ever dare admit that they ever disliked him <laughs> no of course i mean you know that that's independent wrestling twitter rule number one is as soon as somebody gets signed or, or gets over or gets popular you've got to post how good of a friend they are to you <laughs> best friend you knew from the day you saw him right without all the yeah. call the cliches right <laughs> absolutely and then and then call them for tickets whenever they come to town I mean, you got to. You got right. to. <laughs> they have nobody else to uh, give tickets to besides, uh, you know, former friends they knew from uh, a little locker room. Yeah, I'm amazed at how many guys haven't changed their phone numbers over the years. But, uh, you know, I mean, I haven't either. So, <laughs> well, you, you know, what's scary. And, and I promise, you know, uh, Matt Spector is probably listening to this from his island paradise and wondering what the hell we're talking about. But what amazed <laughs> me is I went through my, I may have texted you, Brian, but I started to go through my phone, like my contact list from different companies I worked for and then, and then especially wrestling. And the weird thing was like how many people I had in there who were actually like dead. <laughs> I, I had like two dozen dead people in my contacts. I'm like, I should probably clean this up a little bit um, and, and get rid of some of them. You know, I don't delete any number just in case uh, 
the, the minute you delete that number of the person you lost contact with that you don't really want to have contact with, they're going to text you, and you're going to have to be like, who's this? And you then know they got you. I, do you know who I still have saved on my phone? Hold on, i got to get this right. Because I met him at WWE TV once. I'll just drop that, that I was there a couple times. And hold on, i got to look this up. I have him saved as Aaron Jesus. It's not Aaron, Aaron Stevens. Jesus. It was not Aaron Stevens. It was a different guy. I think his name WWE was like Jesus or something. But his was it Aaron was, Aguilera? Was it Aaron Aguilera? Maybe, maybe it was. <laughs> maybe it was him. But this dude introduces himself to me. He's like, yeah, you know, if I can ever help you out, oh, great. So I took his number. Literally, dude had no idea who he is. Still don't really know who he was. But he's still on my phone. And the weird thing is, he's like one of the top three people like in my contacts because it's his, his name is, is a double A. <laughs> yeah, so, so and I'm, Tarzan, yeah. right about this point, uh, Aaron with, with mentions of Aaron Aguilera on this podcast is having a full meltdown at this point. Right. Well, He's probably well, thrown his iPhone across the room at this point. Well, I can't believe that you haven't been asked to be on this show yet. I mean, you're his you're his former booking partner in Chaotic Wrestling. You're a former podcast host, and, and you weren't one of his first calls. He's had like his I think he's had his his <laughs> niece on, but not you yet. Well, I mean, technically, maybe sort of I'm supposed to, uh, you know, get clearance on such things like this. But, you know, for old friends, I always make exceptions. There we go. There we go. <laughs> and, you know, we're talking about wrestlers. We're talking about uh, big fellows. We're talking about human superheroes. In fact, Brian, we're here today to talk about He-Men. Big, burly guys, specifically He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Now, we're breaking Tarzan's rules a little bit because, you know, really this is supposed to be the animated shows about comic books, but I felt like He-Man was close enough. It's close well, enough that we could talk about it. There was comics that came with with the action figures. So, I mean, it's technically, Catch. I think it's, I mean, I know Mike Crockett, who's the pissiest human being uh, on the face of the earth. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, a gr- he's been a grumpy old man for, you know, for 25 years already. He'll have something to say about it, but uh, the He-Man mini comics came before the television show. That's true now. Did you start, like, when did you start collecting the figures? How old were you and all that stuff? I mean, I probably was, you know, the, the ironic thing about, or the funny thing about He-Man is it really only ran for, like, two years. Like, it was, like, 83 mm-hmm. to 85. So I was born in 81. So if I had to guess, I mean, I, it was one of those things, like, I don't, I don't remember not having and not being really big into He-Man. So I would imagine I was probably three, four, five years old, you know, right in there. I had a cousin who, he was also a fanatic, a little older than me, so... I imagine that's probably how I got into it. Uh, I used to spend a lot of time with him. Uh, I'm sure seeing his toys, that that's where my love yeah. of it began. But I just remember, you know, growing up and, you know, all through until I didn't play with toys anymore. You know, He-Man was like my go-to. And, you know, the kids today are so spoiled because once it went off of syndication, that was it. Like, that, you, right. know, that you didn't, you couldn't just go find it anywhere. So that's probably how I, as a kid, I just got out of it was that it was just, gone all of a sudden well yeah and you and i are of the age too like whether it was a syndicated show or a regular show if you missed it on you know saturday afternoon or, or tuesday afternoon or, or thursday night you missed it you didn't see that episode yeah. again you know you you couldn't go online and find it you couldn't you know go to your dvr the good thing with something like he-man though it wasn't like this great episodic storytelling <laughs> continuity from one episode to the next i mean in reality the formula of each episode was kind of the same and it's it's amazing when you go back and watch it and i mean really it's it's all the nostalgia that kind of makes you feel all of that warm and fuzzy but if you go back and watch it 
the stories aren't great. The animation kind of stinks. And they reuse all the animation cells over and over. Yeah. Um, but I just have this, like, I love it. I, it it's, uh, you know, I've tried to get um, my son into it. He's five a number of times. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't. And I think it's probably because of the, uh, because of the animation and, and at five, you know, he's in this day and age, he's used to really sharp cutting edge, yeah. you know, Pixar level right? Yeah, um, animation. So I, that's why I'm excited for the new series coming out to try to get him hooked on that. But uh, every He-Man episode was really about the same thing. Yeah. So again, I know Matt likes to kind of tell people what it's about. And, re- and so I did a little bit of research and it was called He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And it was produced by Filmation which back in our day, like Filmation, they were like the big animation company. Like I remember they had that little rainbow thing at the end of each episode, you know, Filmation to show that they were the ones who made it. (laughs) And it was based on Mattel's toy line of Masters of the Universe. You nailed it. It ran for only two seasons. It started in September of 83 and it ran until 1985, but it was two seasons of 65 episodes each. So there's still a lot of, episodes out there from two seasons 65 episodes a season and it ran for two years that's a ton of work absolutely and again it was in syndication at which point and this is actually this next part might be where i remember because i'm a little bit older than you usa network is actually the one that bought the rights to the series and they kept airing he-man those original 120 130 episodes until september 1990 so it was actually, it went from syndication to the USA Network. And that's where it really caught on with even more popularity. Since then, there have been some follow-up series. There have been a bunch of comic books and so on and so forth when it comes to He-Man. So, Brian, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who He-Man was or is, his alter ego, where he fought and who he fought. Bring us up to speed on He-Man. I mean, he's the most powerful man in the universe. I think everybody everybody should know that. But uh, he is the uh, the alter ego of... Prince Adam, and uh, they battle the the evil forces of Skeletor uh, from taking over the kingdom of Eternia, and kind of the central. Is, am I doing a good job? Is this yeah, this is, is perfect? Is this Tarzan approved? This uh, is amazing. So the only three people uh, shared the secret of who He Man really was. And that was the sorceress, Men at Arms, and Orko. And I said that in order of the the opening of He Man. So this is ingrained you, you in my almost... brain. You almost did the title <laughs> credits, like the title narration, perfectly just that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a little bit jumbled there, but pretty good. You know, and, and you look at him, you look at He-Man, and you look at the way he was drawn. I mean, first of all, it's in the vein of uh, Superman and Clark Kent and how the hell do people not know <laughs> one, is, one is the other. And then, you know, He-Man has a big green and yellow cat, and uh, Prince Adam has a big green and yellow cat, but nobody's been able to... Uh, Put two and two together. Put two and two together. But just looking at the way he's drawn, the way the toy was, the way the cartoon was, like I absolutely understand why I fell in love with it. Why why so many kids fell in love with it uh, in in that day and age. And it's something where you know you wonder with the evolution of kind of the world and the way it is today. I mean, that was specifically marketed to with young male children in mind. Yeah, and it was yeah. really heavily promoted and. Um, and you think about that, you think about the world we live in today, and wow, what what a complete, like, it uh, just wouldn't fly today, it feels like. It feels like, right, it, yeah. although they are coming back with He-Man, but the way they marketed it was really all about, like, it's pro wrestling. I mean, it's, right. it, it yeah. really is pro wrestling. He's larger than life. And it's a cartoon, but still, people didn't look like that. I mean, I guess if you turned on the WWF, which was also popular, and at the same mm-hmm. time He-Man was popular, 
that's these larger than life, you know, take on the world over muscled dudes, you know, just fighting each other. So I, yeah, as a five, six, seven year old kid, like I know exactly why I loved it. And I remember having the old, uh, they had like a play set and, uh, I'm just beating the hell out of various relatives, uh, with my, <laughs> with my power sword and, <laughs> and <laughs> I think you nailed it for the time where, the show came out, it reminded me a lot of like the old Super Friends show or WWF of the early 80s. It's not like these were real complicated plots. I would actually argue that some of some of Skeletor's plans to take over Eternia, they were kind of doomed to fail. You know, these were not like uh, the rocket scientist uh, complex plans. Like oftentimes it was something like, well, I'm going to steal that medallion which will give me more power. And it's like, I don't know, dude. Skeletor, I don't quite see your plan working out the way you think it's going to. Now, I do have to correct you on one thing. Well, I mean, okay, what did I mess up? Well, you said that uh, He-Man had a big cat, and so did uh, Prince Adam. Well, the difference is, remember, Prince Adam had a cowardly cat named Cringer, while He-Man had battle cat. So that's why people couldn't tell him apart. I mean... You know, one was scared. <laughs> Talk about Skeletor. I mean, the downfall of Skeletor is he's lazy. Right? I mean, he's pretty lazy. He doesn't want to get his hands dirty. He surrounds himself with complete and utter buffoons. You know, you're mm-hmm. talking Beastman, Merman. Evelyn's pretty good. She's pretty smart and, and powerful. But uh, the rest of them are really just henchmen goons who are complete screw-ups. And Skeletor doesn't really do a whole bunch. He, he instructs. He's the... Uh, He's the Jamie Jamikowski of uh, you know, <laughs> his crew, like he, like you were with Chaotic, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and, it, and it, you surround yourself with bumbling. It. There's a lot of there's a lot of parallels in you and Skeletor. You both surround yourself with bumbling idiots, and then wonder why the plan crumbles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't I can't figure out why this didn't work. All right, so let me ask you, because because you're you're the expert here. Do you want to start with good guys or bad guys? Do you want to start with heels or faces today? No, nah, whatever. You're the host choice. Right. You're the host. You, you, you steer the ship. Let's start with some baby faces. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit. Number one, you have to let me know. I mean, do you remember is, them? This is a cast of thousands, by the way. This is like, I mean, you're talking about a show whose sole purpose was to create more toys. And again, I had to edit it down. You know, first tell me, do you remember them? And then uh, rank them on a scale of like one to ten, how much you like them as as a character, or if you have anything specific you want to say. So we we have Battle Cat and Cringer. I mean, love the awesome. Yeah. Uh, who who was Buzz Off? Oh, <laughs> Buzz Off was a B. He was a B character who I don't even know how many episodes Buzz Off would have even been in. Again, you're talking about a lot of these these characters were really one or two or three episodes here and there. You know, there was like the main you know the main ones you kind of see all the time, but then there was just like like Buzz Off and a lot of characters like that. They were just they just showed up because they needed um, they needed more toys. <laughs> yeah. And that's I mean straight straight up He Man the cartoon. Was like, and, I, and it's different than today, where I think I feel like it's it's everything's an inverse today. Like properties are created, and then toys are created from the properties. Where where that's what people need to understand. I think about He Man: The Master of the Universe. The toy line was created in 1982. The show mm-hmm. never hit till 1983, and the sole purpose of the show was basically an infomercial. Um, yeah, to sell the toys, and they had to put those. The same thing with GI Joe. They had to put those little. What did you learn from today's episode at the end yeah. of them? Just so they could get away with having a half-hour commercial for their toys every week. Yeah. yeah, And hold that thought. We're going to talk about that because literally He-Man, because of He-Man and G.I. Joe, laws changed with children's program, which is fascinating. So you talked about men-at-arms, right? He was 
He-Man's go-to, right? Yeah, Man-at-Arms, right-hand man of uh, King Randor, father of uh, Tila. Here are my two favorites coming up, and I remember these figures. I don't know if I remember them on the cartoon. You might know better. Manny Faces and Mechanic. Manny Faces. Actually, Manny Faces had a great baby face turn. Uh, His episode is actually probably one of my favorite episodes, uh, the Manny Faces episode, because they find him, and he's, like, terrorizing, like, this little this little village in Eternia and, and, and eventually He-Man comes in, they fight him and he turns, he turns baby face. And, then, like, <laughs> and like, literally though, he literally turned baby face because his face inside his helmet would flip. Yeah. He, he had like a like robot face, like there. kind of a, yeah, like a humanoid face and then a, like a robot face. So fun fact, Jamie, our, our good friend, Kofi Kingston, his uh, WWE He-Man crossover figure is Manny Faces, and it's the three, you know, it's the three New Day fellas oh, that, that I, are, I did. You, you twist the head on that figure, and it's Biggie, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston. I didn't know that. That's kind of a fun little, fun little fact. The other one I need to bring up now is, what about Orko? What are your feelings on Orko? He's a goof. He's a complete, he's a complete goof. I mean, one of the many whole plots in a Saturday morning <laughs> cartoon in the 80s. But why Orko was entrusted with the secret of Prince Adam uh, and He-Man being one and the same, I, I will never fully understand. Because again, or- Orko is just kind of a buffoon. He's there for comic relief, but uh, was a really cool figure. And we'll see that. He was one of the only characters who was introduced in the cartoon before he was introduced as a figure. He was created just for the cartoon. And then they brought out the figure later. Because again, they needed a little goofy sidekick for Saturday morning cartoons or syndicated cartoons. I didn't know that, but it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, there's lots of characters that, again, the whole thing is just to create more and more toys. It's the amount of money. There's a great documentary. And I, I know we're talking the cartoon. But there's a great documentary <laughs> on like the entire history of, uh, of He-Man. That is where I've probably watched it you know, half a dozen times. So it's worth a watch. Whether you're um, a He-Man fan or not, if you're into like cartoons and comics and just entertainment altogether, the whole story of the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe property is really a fascinating one. There's probably nothing, there's probably nothing out there with the same, quite the same kind of story and trajectory of He-Man. Now, Brian, the last one I want to bring up to you on the babyface side, because uh, you were a youngster, you were you were a young boy uh, watching Saturday morning cartoons. What, what are your feelings on Tila? Tila, I mean, at that point, girls stung. I'm sure. I'm sure I didn't. I wasn't uh, too into girls. But Tila, I mean, you think of it too. Like Tila was never really like a damsel in distress, which in that day and age would have been a very popular concept for female characters. Like Tila was kind of badass in the in the 80s. Of course, they put her in provocative clothing. Although every, I think everybody in uh, Eternia didn't really wear a whole bunch of clothes. <laughs> yeah, you know, you have to say at least, at least in Eternia there was there was equality. There really was. Yes. Your your number one hero was basically walking around in, in a furry loincloth and a crisscross chest piece with his with his pec showing. So, you know, if I didn't know better, Jim, I would have swore Johnny Ace was uh, really King Randor because all the dudes are six two two forty. You know. <laughs> and and that's how they got signed. Um, you know, and then, like occasionally, they'd, you know, every now and again, you know, they sign Merman just to say, look, we have diversity in our roster. <laughs> so now we'll flip over to the bad guys real quick. So uh, who are the key ones? It was basically Skeletor, obviously. Beastman was in most of them, right? Yeah, Beastman, big central figure. Triclops, another one. He was in, in a lot of episodes. Trapjaw, Merman, Evil Lynn. I mean, she's probably you know, the real right hand of, of Skeletor. And you can't forget that Battlecat has to have a counterpart. Panthor. Skeletor's I, I forgot about Panthor. Can't forget so about Panthor. 
Panther was was the evil cat, I take it. That's right. Yeah, that was Skeletor's cat. And you said Evil Lynn, yeah. And I'm trying to look at some of the other names I have in here, but most of these were, were figures. Trapjaw, I remember, because he basically just had like a big metal. Yeah, and he was a dummy. He like he kind of had like the like that kind of you know voice that they that they give to stupid characters. Like he was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of this I think they reuse the animation quite a bit with him biting like somebody's sword or something you know because he had the big metal he had the big metal jaw you know brian the one thing we didn't cover and we really should have for listeners who maybe haven't watched yet the process for prince adam to become he-man was a very complicated one wasn't it <laughs> it was you know very first of all i mean i don't know where the hell he hid the sword <laughs> without anybody noticing that he was carrying around the power sword you know but he'd reach into his bag he'd grab it out and you know I have the power, and then here we go. And he uh, zapped poor old Cringer, who was terrified. And, uh, That's right. And he did that every single episode, usually about four or five minutes in. <laughs> here we go. We get He-Man. I think you can probably argue that, that you said it earlier, that the show was a bit formulaic. You could probably figure Absolutely. out how, how it was going to lay out every single episode. I mean, you think about what it was targeting, though. Like, you know, as a kid watching, you, you know, and, and I think He-Man, when you think about it, was... I mean, you think about the demographic, it was probably 10 and under, you know, so it's it's no different than a lot of other children's shows where there's repetitive themes, repetitive topics, the same thing happening over and over again. Kids love it. That's just how kids' brains work. So, yeah, and they didn't build up a lot of anticipation waiting for He-Man. Like, we got, you know, usually it was, oh, here we go, conflict, <laughs> Prince Adam runs away, and, and here's right. He-Man. You know, during, I, I think it was like kind of toward the end of the pandemic, uh, but you know what movie I actually watched? And, and I didn't have a big tie into the property, but I watched uh, Kong versus Godzilla. I got to tell you, so many movies you watch now, there's like a buildup. You and I were texting about the new Loki series and our mm-hmm. general disappointment in the last episode. But in a lot of these things now, there's like this big buildup, big buildup to reveal, to finally get to where you want to be. One thing I liked about Godzilla versus Kong or Kong versus Godzilla, all I wanted to see was Big Monkey punching big lizard and that's pretty much all they gave you for two hours i think it was about 20 minutes into the movie when they finally had kong and godzilla just start punching each other for no good reason and it actually reminded me of of something like a super friends or a he-man of you don't need all the gaga sometimes when all you want to do is see good guys fight bad guys yeah and and the way they kind of did it was always there was it wasn't always just like uh, Skeletor like attacking the castle or him attacking the palace and, and the king and queen. It was always him. Like there's always like some little random quest that they're on that Skeletor somehow kind of figures out. Let's face it, the kid's not turning in to watch uh, Prince Adam, not be He-Man. Right. You talked about it earlier, and I'm sure it's in the documentary that you mentioned. But the whole backstory of this was kind of cool as I was looking into this. So basically, what had happened is years before. There were like television laws that said you couldn't advertise to kids in certain ways. Parent groups had kind of gone to the government and said, hey, look, you can't have so many what they called licensed cartoons that were solely there to promote toys. And so those kind of faded away. Well, when Reagan became president, he put somebody in charge of the FCC who just deregulated all of that. So basically, it opened it back up for all these companies to start having. 30-minute cartoons based solely on toy lines. And you mentioned the other one. The, the big one that started it all was G.I. Joe. 
that was a toy line and what that was going to be, that was basically going to be an advertisement for the G.I. Joe toys. Then when Mattel brought out He-Man, they actually beat G.I. Joe to the punch by a week. He-Man started airing first. And here was the coolest thing that I thought was the most brilliant thing they did. What Mattel and He-Man and Filmation did is they didn't charge the syndicated channels for the show. Was this in the documentary at all? Uh, I don't remember that. No, so that's that's a brilliant marketing so, strategy. <laughs> instead, what they did was they made a deal where they said, we'll give you the show, but we want, I think it was five minutes of advertising time back. So on a 22-minute show, they were getting five minutes of the advertising back to themselves for free. And that's what allowed them to do, okay, here's a 30-minute cartoon of, hey, little Brian Malonis, here are all your heroes. And then it would go right into a commercial for the products that they've basically been advertising the cartoon for the past, you know, 15 minutes. So that's how they got so many stations to syndicate He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, because they gave it to him for free. It's genius. And it's, it's evil genius, probably, you know, at its finest, because it's, uh, I, I mean, I remember, I mean, I know it's a little bit off the beat, but I, but I remember like doing these like hunts with my parents and going into Toys R Us and all these different stores. I, mean, I don't know if you remember uh, Woolworth, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. little Woolworth stores. And I remember there's one, like, and I live in New Hampshire, this little town called Merrimack. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's sure it's all people in New England listening to this anyways. <laughs> but uh, I think it was a Woolworth in Merrimack, New Hampshire. And I, and I found King Randor, who was like a elusive figure. And I went absolutely nuts. And the only the funny thing is now, like, I think about the hundreds of dollars I spend probably a month on uh, all these He-Man Origins figures and the new Revelation <laughs> figures. And you know what's coming up because you just look at an online article. But as a kid, you didn't know because you, all you got was the back of the packaging. So when you would just randomly run into a new wave of figures in the store, then you just look at the back. Oh, my God, this guy's out, too. This guy's out, too. This guy's out, too. Like, and The funny thing is I don't remember too much about I remember with the show and watching the show, and I don't remember too much about like commercials and stuff, you know, ever airing during them. But I'm sure that's how I became aware of so many of the toys they brought out, which were, I mean, from everything from the vehicles to the characters to play sets, you know, just amazing stuff. And then again, remember this spawned things like the old Smurfs cartoon, which that was only designed. And if you remember, there was a whole time stretch in the 80s where so many of those cartoons were based on other properties, either toy lines or serials or characters that just tied into a product. So they were either getting for free or in some cases like the Smurfs I was reading, NBC actually paid for the Smurfs cartoon. Here you have companies either getting 30 minute advertisements for free or actually getting paid to produce cartoons to promote their toys. It's it's unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's such a. I also think that that probably is why the toy lines are really what I think bring it all together. So when you think of things that you get real nostalgic about, uh, and being a child of the '80s and, and all these different properties, or even a little bit of the '90s where you got the Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers yeah. and things like that. But you know, now I think about you know, usually toys don't come out unless it's like a big popular movie or something. But if there's like a television show. There's no toys with it right away. You got to wait for the toys where He-Man was just already there. So it was just like, I watched this cartoon for the first time and I freak out. I can just go right to the store that day with my parents and get the figures. And then I had actually forgotten that all the figures came with the comic book to try to tie this back into Matt Spectrum Multiverse. 
<laughs> and they did. It's funny. They talked about on that documentary. They talked about you know the the people who were pitching the toys just kind of shot it you know off the cuff in like a sales pitch to you know to distributors. Oh, we mm-hmm. didn't tell you it comes with a miniature comic every figure. After they made that promise to retailers, they were pitching the toy line to. They then had to go find an artist to write these miniature comics that were now going to go with the figures that they had absolutely no plan for until the salesman in the in the meeting pitched it off the cuff. <laughs> so it's yeah, but it really was based on a toy line. So th- I think this falls in right into the theme of the show based on a comic book. <laughs> and again, I, I I will throw out there this is something these are names you probably won't care about, but. I was looking at a lot of the writers on the He-Man cartoon. Uh, one guy by the name of J. Michael Straczynski. Uh, he created Babylon 5, and he was a hugely famous comic book writer. Uh, Paul Dini, who was the guy who basically spearheaded Batman the Animated Series. And then David Wise, who was the head writer of the TV version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and uh, the real Ghostbusters. So a lot of guys cut their teeth on He-Man, who went on to do big stuff in both comics and animated TV series. Thankfully, none of them worked on some of the later iterations and the attempted reboots of He-Man. <laughs> I'm, you know, and I'm going to bring up one of those now, but so I, again, I have to bring up, even though it's not animated, but you know, Matt Spectro, he's off in his, his multiverse somewhere. Um, <laughs> I have to bring up the live action He-Man movie. Um, what's the matter? I can, I can, I know this is audio, but I can see you shaking your head. What's the matter? What, what's what's wrong? Because... Because it wasn't, you know, I think if you called it something else, I would feel better about it. But it wasn't He-Man. And this is part of the documentary. This documentary is great, by the way. But the film, you know, the writers and the costume designers, I mean, obviously, again, they wanted a vehicle to um, produce toys. So they had to create new characters, you know. So all of a sudden, you get all these new central characters that are just very important characters all of a sudden. You're just supposed to accept that they're just super important. And you've never heard of them before. But I, I understand that to extent. And then obviously in, you know, 1980, what was it, 86, 87, somewhere mm-hmm. in there, this movie comes out. They didn't have quite the, not quite the effects model that, uh, you know, they, they're able to do today. So they, some reason it takes place on freaking Earth. And it's just, I, it's not He-Man. I mean, Skeletor randomly has these Stormtrooper-like guards with guns and it's just i mean skeletor looks awesome in this i will say skeletor which it was uh it's frank langella uh yep, pretty sure yep. is awesome that part of it is really good the way skeletor looks overall i just it felt it felt like some sort of weird combination of like he-man and star wars and it just wasn't to me true to what he-man was and i and i think it's what's troubled some of the later stuff which is he-man to me is about like ancient you know mythical type stuff there is some technology but it's more about magic than it is about like super tech and like Mm -hmm. in in this movie started kind of the he-man with like you know futuristic technology type stuff and for some inexplicable reason freaking stormtroopers (laughs) <laughs> for for lack of a better comparison, He-Man is more Lord of the Rings than Star Wars. Yes, yeah, I think that's I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's, it's Lord of the Rings. It's Game of Thrones. It's kind of this weird mythological but still medieval kind of a uh, place. And I, I love that you you purposely did not mention the person who played He-Man was Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. Well, I mean, you know, I get the casting of him. Yeah. I mean, he's all jacked up. He's a popular star of the time. But I think I think to me it was 
the people who are producing the movie wanted to put their own spin on He-Man rather than being true to the source material. I think they really, you know, I guess it's probably no different. And I, you know, as I think about it, I'm probably a complete hypocrite today because I now, you know, scoff at uh, comic book, you know, <laughs> hardcore comic book fans who get all pissed off at what Marvel does or what right. DC does and taking some liberties, you know, and, and creating stuff in their own image. So maybe I'm being a bit of a hypocrite here, well, full disclosure. Well, again, this, this is where I'm going to get myself kicked off as an ever guest host again. Um, but I can speak from experience because I'm one of them. I still think two of the worst fan bases on the face of the earth are comic book fans and wrestling fans. Because <laughs> they all just exist to shit on the product they claim to love. And that, that's all they do. But no, you, you were right, because I have a synopsis. And the synopsis of the movie was... Uh, the mighty He-Man who arrived on Earth by chance from the planet Eternia and now goes on a mission to save the universe from the mighty evil Skeletor, his nemesis. It's because um, of the cosmic key. <laughs> yes. Also in the movie, the uh, movie featured a very young Courtney Cox from Friends. So was, was that not her debut movie? It, it was that pretty was early on. I think that was her debut movie and uh, right on the time yeah. she was in like, the Bruce Springsteen video, Dancing in the Dark, too. Well, at least one, one good thing came of it, right? <laughs> That's right. Okay. Absolutely. But... And again, I haven't seen that movie in years. I seem to remember, doesn't the movie end with like a stinger of Skeletor will return? They did one of those weird... Yeah, like, oh, it's, it's definitely left like open-ended. Yes. And I, and I couldn't tell you the, the box office acclaim of, you know, if it did well in the movie theaters or not. I know I didn't like it as a kid. Although we'll say some of the toys were cool. Blade, who was a character in the movie, not a character in the show... Was a really cool toy, but again, you're talking about this is a couple of years after the toy. I understand why they did it. I understand why they produced new characters. The the cartoon had ended. This was another vehicle to create additional figures, you know. And yeah. so I, I I understand. I would you know I understand it, but it still to, angers me. <laughs> to answer your question, it had a budget of about twenty two million dollars, and its worldwide gross was about seventeen million dollars. So it, it was not a, a huge box office success, but you did mention, I want to kind of, kind of end on because you, how old is your son now? You have a, you have a son you say he's five now. Yeah, he's five. And there is a new He-Man cartoon coming out. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm excited for. I mean, there's been numerous attempts to reboot. I mean, I think the worst being the new adventures of He-Man, which is about the biggest piece of crap that, that's ever been produced. Yeah. I don't, I, I would advise don't go back and even attempt to watch it because it's, it's pure trash. And then they had 2002 Cartoon Network rebooted, which was actually a really good cartoon. But then, yeah, they got He-Man Revelation. Now, there's actually two new series coming, but there's He-Man Revelation, which is right. a the first direct sequel to the original 83 to 85 series. So this is going to directly tie into that story and those characters and really all the other stuff that's happened. You know, the new adventures of He-Man was kind of like its own weird thing. And the 2002 series was just a complete reboot where this is just these characters are established in this universe it's like if the marvel universe you know stopped in 2021 and they and they picked it up 30 years from now right where they left off so it's pretty cool uh, i'm excited yeah. for it. i think um what's kevin smith i think kevin is, smith i was about to say for all the comic that. book nerds like me who are listening the guy driving this is kevin smith and his whole thing was what you've kind of said he wanted to do justice to that that cartoon that he remembered from when he was young and create really a direct sequel to the original series for Netflix. And and I believe a trailer dropped, was it about a month ago, I think you and I were texting, where yeah. that first little trailer or teaser dropped. And it looks awesome. And, and I'm it not looks a great. Yeah, but it looks looks tremendous. 
it's updated animation, obviously. They're not going to use the old filmation style, but it's true to the original series. It, it's everything is, you know, updated, but still feels nostalgic. It's not complete reinvention of, uh, of these characters that you grew up and, and loved. And again, it's going to be true to the stories that you knew in, in a direct mm-hmm. correlation where, and it escapes me now with the other He-Man series coming. Um, I forget what it, what, it, what it's called, but that is going to be a complete reboot. There's been some leaked pictures of the figures. And again, once mm-hmm. again, it looks like it's going to be some sort of weird cross between He-Man and Star Wars. And I think it's going to, yeah. I think Revelation will be really good. And I think, uh, I have high hopes for it where I think the other series will once again fall flat because I think when you reboot properties, I feel like they do it with the Ninja Turtles a lot too. Yeah. Where they just like reboot it and change it. But for me, if I, you know, rebooting a property, here I am, you know, I'm a 39 year old guy with a five year old son who I, who I want to introduce these characters and stuff mm-hmm. to. I, I'm excited for him to watch Revelation, the other series that's not going to be true to what He-Man was, I don't have that same connection to it. So, right. I mean, who knows? Maybe kids will love it and it'll become just as popular as the original. But the reason why I'm excited for Revelation is because we, we get the continuation of the stuff we grew up with. And, and that's, yeah. that, that, that gets me really jazzed up. And I think you're nailing it. You know, when you look at something like, and it's not He-Man, but, you know, you look at Star Wars and all the different directions that's gone over the years with different animated series, this and that. Which one really brought everybody back recently was... The Mandalorian, because a mm-hmm. lot of people were like, after, and again, the, the the last trilogy, The Force Awakens, those three, a lot of people were conflicted on those. But what a lot of people said about Mandalorian was, especially with the, the surprise in the last episode, is like they finally treated the original Star Wars universe the way it should have been treated later. And that's what you're saying, is all these properties, you know, you don't always have to reinvent Luke Skywalker or He-Man or Batman or Superman. Just let them be who they are. And us as the older guys, let us introduce what we like to our youngsters and then they'll, they'll carry it forward from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that we're probably missing in all of this and, and all of us nerds out there who love stuff <laughs> like this is all this stuff is designed for children and they're trying to get kids to love it. No, not our no, old damn ass, it. Not our no. old asses. <laughs> you know? It's for me. Um, you know, they're writing this new reboot series that's going to follow Revelation. They're not writing that for 39-year-old, you know, Brian <laughs> Malonis. They're writing it for five-year-old Michael Malonis and hoping he loves right. it so that then he gets me to buy him toys from it. Not, you know, I love it, so I'm going to force <laughs> force it upon my kid you will right. love this <laughs> and again this is this is probably a different discussion for a different podcast because i know you and i can go in the weeds on when we cross over of the creative to the business and all of that yeah. where you and i know whether it's professional wrestling or movies or cartoons you just nailed it they want to have a product that's appealing to the kids but is still cool enough for the dads to want to take them and be willing to spend the money on the stuff that they're trying to yeah. sell. And that's what it all comes down to. And I think, and I think that was probably the biggest appeal of He-Man, the original, the original mm-hmm. series we've been, we've been talking about is that it was a cartoon, but it was also something like, yeah, your dad would probably, you know, I definitely remember my dad sitting down and yeah. watching it with me. And we've talked about it a lot. Like, as you know, I, and I can't believe it blows my mind that, that your daughter is a full blown adult now. And it just yeah, yeah. blows my friggin' mind. Um, <laughs> but we talked about, and used to joke about, you know, you find things to watch your kids that you can tolerate, you know, exactly. you find yeah. those shows like, so He-Man was one of those. I, I, I distinctly remember my dad watching it with me because it was something he could tolerate, you know, it wasn't something completely obnoxious. 
I said it earlier, me being, I think, exactly 10 years older than you. For me, it was growing up, it was Super Friends. You know, my father could tolerate sitting there watching Super Friends with me. It wasn't, you know, mind-numbing for him. At least it was still, you know, <laughs> Batman and Superman. So, now, Brian, I do want to I do a little surprise for you. As you know, I used to host For the Pops. So oh I prepared for you a For the Pops pop quiz tonight. I know, <laughs> oh, boy. You know what the funny part was? I was going to. And I'm like, no, we're talking about getting together soon in person. I'm like, I don't want the first thing Brian to do is punch me in the face <laughs> for coming up with a For the Pops pop quiz. But, I mean, uh, the funny thing is, like, it's just because I don't know anything about pop culture. My only um, peek into pop culture is through yeah. my kids' eyes, who apparently now, like, actors aren't even a thing. It's YouTubers. Like, there's famous YouTubers, and I don't even quite know how that works and how they make money. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't understand. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the uh, get-off-my-lawn age so, at this point, I think. Oh, I, I do remember one of the questions I almost have. You might know this one. So... Both the sports world and the music world went crazy this weekend when it was revealed that LeBron James's agent is dating which music megastar? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just go with the uh, one that she has a couple of uh, snappy tunes out there that I that I enjoy. Uh, Dua Lipa. It, it is not Dua Lipa. It's actually Adele. Oh, okay. Adele, Adele was front row at the uh, Buck Suns game. Sitting with and appearing very close to uh, LeBron James's agent, I think his name is Rich Paul. So yeah, I'm glad we didn't do the sports. quiz because you wouldn't have done well. So no, I, I don't do well with. Again, well, you I mean we talked my my era and my knowledge of uh, pop culture, which is he man. I mean we didn't. You know one thing we didn't touch upon Revelation. Mark Hamill being the voice of Skeletor, which is freaking oh. amazing. Which is freaking amazing. So Mark Hamill, like, remember he was the voice of the Joker, and I talked about this with uh yeah. from my episode. But like, he's the voice of the Joker for years. He's like has this whole second career doing nothing but voice work, and he's awesome at it. But but that's tremendous. Yeah, there's clips of it in the trailer that are on. I don't know when this podcast drops, but this drops. You know, we're recording on a Tuesday night. This drops yep. on Friday. Revelation. You know, but you can nice. hear clips of him as Skeletor, and he's fantastic. As it sounds, it sounds awesome. The documentary Brian was talking about earlier, it's on Netflix. It's called The Power of Grayskull, The Definitive History of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. So definitely check that one out, too. I'm probably going to try to check that one out before I watch uh, Revelation in the, in the next week or two. Yeah, so. it's, it's fascinating because they, they really go through the, the entire history of the property from, you know, the early just kind of origins of it. And, and really, I mean, the origins of it kind of lie in, like, Conan the Barbarian and the fact that a toy company was going to produce Conan toys and it was an R-rated movie, so they couldn't. So it's really a whole, it really mm -hmm. takes you from that point to present day where the, you know, I mean, every year there's a He-Man Comic-Con type thing called PowerCon that, that I may or may not go to in September. We'll see. Um, <laughs> you know, it happens in Anaheim every year. And that's how big this property has become, which is, you know, you're talking about, you know, the last new, you know, new episode of the original series aired 34 years ago and it's still popular today there's a new figure line out uh, the origins figure line which is really all a re-release it's amazing that popularity has endured all these years later you know if you end up going to that give me a ring because i think by that point brian i'll be an official west coaster uh just outside of la so i'll go down to anaheim with you and i'll bring my like i love she-ra uh t-shirt and i'll wear that we didn't even touch yeah. on the on the on the she-ra spinoff yeah he man she was a great cartoon she-ra yeah. was a really really the original she-ra series is a really good cartoon and a really good follow-up gave us uh hordak sneak peek to anybody listening to this that's also a ring of honor slash wrestling fan i have some hordak inspired gear 
coming up. So pretty excited to debut that. I actually remember when they started to make the the Hordak and, and his whole crew, their action the figures. They were actually awesome figures. I remember those. Yeah, the 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 horde was really cool, and again, so many cool toys. It all rolled right into the Masters line. Shira was an action figure. They didn't make her in doll form, and you know they had all these different characters. You know, Grizzlore. I want to say Leech was a part of the horde. So just a lot of really cool action figures. I just spent uh, entirely too much money on some PowerCon exclusive horde figures a couple months ago. So I thought I thought I was going to need a place to stay after I bought them, James. <laughs> um, I, I understand. Remember, there's always that secret apartment that you, me, and two other friends have prepared <laughs> for our wives to us out because, and the good news is, it'll be decorated with uh, exclusive He-Man figures and Batman statues. So don't worry, it'll, you know, no woman will ever step foot in there. And if they do, they'll leave immediately because of our decor. I'm totally okay with a no girls allowed sign on the other yes, side. Yes. <laughs> I'm so, kidding. I'm kidding, everybody. <laughs> so now, now, Brian, uh, and the throwback to the wrestling podcast about nothing. I know you guys would always end by asking your guest, where, where can we find you out there? Where can we find you in the social media? What, what do you want to pitch? You can find me uh, on, on uh, Twitter at Brian Malonis. Uh, you can often see me uh, responding to uh, Matt Spectro's uh, post. Mm-hmm. I did, I did uh, today. I think it was today or yesterday on Instagram, uh, Brian Malonis KP. Uh, if you, if you're so inclined, uh, you may buy a t-shirt at, uh, brianmalonis.com at least my pro and store and if you're really a big fan of mine and you want a wrestling buddy of me you can go to brothersgador.com and get yourself an officially licensed brian malonis wrestling buddy how about that i think i'm gonna have to do that because like i said i'm actually in the process of moving to the west coast i'm gonna miss my big my big cuddly buddy so maybe i'm gonna get myself <laughs> a brian malonis wrestling buddy so i can you know prominently display him uh, well, hope ma'am won't be so won't be weirded out when it's uh, in bed with you guys. <laughs> I, I, I'll learn more about when I come home and, and ma'am snuggling with the Brian Malone's wrestling buddy. But uh, but awesome. But this was fun tonight. We should maybe one of these days we'll get the the whole podcasting gang back together. We can all talk about something that uh, nobody else cares about except us. Just uh, apologize to Michael Crockett because I know he edits this podcast and uh, he always has a, a complaint or two about my audio. So. Uh, Give him my regards. <laughs> well, my, Michael sent you and I uh, a, a whole lot of instructions about how we were supposed to do this. And we both went with the Zoom and AirPods approach because it just seemed like the better way to go. <laughs> so, Tell him so, if he wants, you know, if he wants, you, you know, ask him what the payday is next time. <laughs> yeah. And, and, wait, we're getting paid for this, right? I, I, I thought Spectro said, you know, <laughs> that, that we get, we, we're getting nothing. I said, if we got a hot dog and a handshake, it would be an upgrade to what we're actually going to get. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Well, Criti- that's what we're really going to get is criticism and ridicule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How we managed to ramble on about He-Man for close to 40 minutes, that'll do it for us. But uh, <laughs> but that's also going to do it for the podcast. Again, big thanks to the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. Find him on Ring of Honor, at Brian Malonis on most social media. I'm Jamie Jamitkowski. You can't find me anywhere, but if you do look for me, it's the same everywhere. I am Jamie J U C W on all the social media, but don't friend me because I probably won't respond. But for both of us, we want to thank Michael Crockett for being our producer and our editor. Big thanks to Matt Spectro for letting us fill in and tune in soon when Matt will be back for another episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse podcast. <laughs>